It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live presented by New York Lottery. Thanks so much for joining us. He's Paul Dettino. I'm Lance Meadow. With you for the next 60 minutes and multiple ways for you to interact with us here on the program. 201-939-4513. You can also find us on Twitter using hashtag GiantsChat. You can directly interact with us. I'm at Lance Meadow, one word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. He is at Giants W-F-A-N. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network brought to you by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app. Podcast platforms everywhere and at Giants.com slash podcast. So on Monday's program, John and I recapped and reviewed the game against the Niners. We'll certainly get more into that. Joe Judge as well as James Bradbury and Nick Gates spoke to the media later in the day. So we'll recap what they had to say. And of course, look ahead to the week four matchup against the L.A. Rams. Paul, how's everything on your end? Doing okay, Lance, but I have to say the NFL breaking news that's come out in the last few minutes is a bit concerning. I mean, yeah. look, I understand that it does not involve the Giants, but, you know, this is also an NFL show. And I do think it's important to note that the, uh, you know, the reports coming out of Tennessee and Albert Breer, uh, who is one of the most well-respected NFL writers in the country, uh, saying a source has confirmed that the Tennessee Titans were told to proceed as if their facility will not be available to them until at least Saturday. Holy smokes. Uh, this is because of uh, positive COVID tests. And then it says here they're scheduled to host the Steelers on Sunday and a postponement is on the table right now. Uh, the Vikings, who played the Titans last week, have already come out with a statement that they have not had any positive COVID tests. But to me, this is the first real scare that we've gotten that indicates, you know, COVID has impacted the potential of a smooth season. Well, the reports also are saying that it's three Tennessee players and five personnel individuals that tested positive, according to the reports, just to give you an idea. But they also are making sure that there's no false positives within that group. That's step one. The other thing that has been released since is the Steelers, who you mentioned, are going to be playing Tennessee. Pittsburgh has released a statement saying they're operating and moving forward as if they are playing a game on Sunday. So right now, there's a little bit that's up in the air. If, to your point, Tennessee doesn't have access to its facility until Saturday, I would assume the NFL as well as the team is now going to be planning on other preparations so that they can practice and move forth accordingly, whether it be a local college in the area or perhaps having to relocate for the time being. Here's the one thing I will say, and you know we got to be careful. I don't want to speculate and get everybody concerned, but this is certainly a prevalent story. There's no doubt about it, Paul. The one thing, though, that I think has been crystal clear the NFL has done a very effective job in going over all of these protocols well in advance so that they know how to handle the circumstances. And that, to me, is encouraging. Case in point, leading up to the weekend on Friday, Falcons corner A.J. Terrell, 
He tested positive. The Falcons put him on the COVID-19 reserve list. They kept him away from the team. And the Falcons then went on to play the Bears this past weekend. So my point is, this is why you spend months upon months of going through the coulda, woulda, shouldas, and the worst case scenarios. So that in the event something like this pops up, you're not caught off guard and you can immediately react to it. Well, this is also why over the summer that uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell appointed a COVID-19 committee. And you and I both know one guy who was on that committee is Tom Coughlin. And certainly, whether it's Coach Coughlin, whether it's Charlie Casserly, who's also on it, Bill Polian is also on it, Marvin Lewis, another respected NFL guy's on it. Uh, Those are the guys that just come to mind offhand. I think it's eight people on it, right? I believe so. And, and those are some of the names that I remember being placed on it. And these folks are the COVID committee. They're supposed to be advising Commissioner Goodell as we go step by step through the process, through all the twists and turns that these teams, players, and coaches will experience so that they have some sense of, uh, of um, logic behind their decisions nobody wants to make a knee-jerk reaction to anything Lance that's the worst thing you could do no doubt about it and I mean I know we're getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves but here's the thing every team has a bye week so God forbid if it gets very close to Sunday now that doesn't mean that both teams are going to have the same exact bye week but they could perhaps work with that have some wiggle room there just like they're building in in the SEC for example as college football is slowly starting back up amongst the Power Five conferences, the SEC built in two bye weeks for each team. So in the event that something similar happens, if there is an outbreak or multiple positive tests, they could push back a game. We're not there yet. I'm not saying we are going to get there, and I'm not trying to be a fearful person in claiming that they're not going to be able to have the Tennessee-Pittsburgh game. But the positive is each team does have a bye week because nobody's had a bye through the first three weeks. So that is something they could certainly tap into if need be. Bottom line is uh, everybody needs to monitor that situation because this is the first threat. And I'm going to call it a threat. It may not be really there yet, but it's the first inclination that we've had that, you know, something something's a little bit more awry than just a pimple. And so, you know, we, we all want to see exactly how this thing works out. We're all crossing our fingers and hoping for the best. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. We all want this to come out smoothly, and so everyone's going to be able to proceed as normal. But, you know, we just don't know. Absolutely. Listen, this is uncharted territory for everybody. Teams, coaches, players, you name it. So everybody is being tested from every which angle. Hopefully they will be able to work around these issues and we will be able to continue at least with respect to Pittsburgh and Tennessee come this weekend. So that's what is transpiring around the league. Then, of course, there's the Giants who are going to once again be in search of their first win of the season as they now start to prepare for a lengthy road trip out to the West Coast against the Rams, a Rams team that trailed by double digits to the Bills on Sunday, found a way to come back, take control of that game, and then ultimately fell short as Buffalo scored a late touchdown, thanks in part to a defensive pass interference call. But before we get into the Rams matchup, Paul, I want to talk about Joe Judge, Nick Gates, and James Bradbury all spoke to the media yesterday. And I think the common topics that were brought up with respect to all three players on defense, the inability to get off the field on third down, 
when you look at how efficient the San Francisco 49ers were, 8 of 12, that's a number that jumps off the page. Then with respect to the offense, the ability for the Niners' defense to apply pressure and the lack of a rushing attack. And those, to me, are the two things that certainly jump out when you pinpoint issues right now on offense and defense, respectively. Well, you know, Lance, I'm, I'm going to give you credit for something because in your cover three today on the Giants' website, you pointed to the fact that even though the Giants were only called for five penalties, they turned out to come at the worst possible times and really short-circuited on both sides of the ball things that the Giants were trying to get done that could have changed the flow of that game. And so even though Joe Judge's team is tied for the second-fewest penalties in the NFL after three weeks, the, the poor timing of those penalties has really been a thorn in their side. 100%, and that's exactly why I emphasize that, and I appreciate you taking note of that. I brought it up on yesterday's show as well, and this is something, Paul, that you and I even talked about last season, because if you go back to last season, the Giants were, from a penalty standpoint, I would describe the Giants as a well-disciplined team. Yes. Now, there were other things that led to losses, of course, but they were not high, Paul, in volume with penalties, but still, last season, I would still go back to the fact that the penalties may have been few, but they came at the worst possible times. They stunted drives, whether it be a false start or a hold. And then instead of picking up 10 yards, you're now facing a second and 20. So that to me is a continuation somewhat of what we were exposed to in 2019. No, I would agree with you. I mean, if you looked at the number of penalties called against the Giants last year, actually the numbers that were marked off, there are certainly declined penalties as well. Sure. The Giants only had 90 penalties marked off against them last season, which was third fewest in the NFL behind the Colts and the Panthers. So to your point about being, quote, undisciplined, no, that was not the case at all. Anybody who accused the Giants of being undisciplined was inaccurate because their penalties so low. I mean, when you consider the fact that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had 134 flags marked off against them, think about that, Lance. That is 44 more penalties than what the Giants had to deal with. That's a ton. Most teams, to be honest with you, if you looked at the the mean, the, the Baltimore, San Francisco, the Jets, they were like in the mid-115, 120 range. That, that seems to be like right around where the middle was for the NFL. Giants were only called or marked off for 90 penalties. So I'm with you a thousand percent. I think that criticism was certainly well off the mark. And this year they are showing once again that they can play disciplined football. Now, the timing of those penalties, you know, here's the problem. And we talked about this the other day on the show, and I don't remember if you were on it with me, Lance. I think I was with John. I said the conspiracy theorists would say, isn't it amazing that penalties are down like one per team per game so far this year? And we all thought that the league's play was going to be sloppy because of the lack of a usual training camp and, of course, a preseason schedule. Something inside the conspiracy theories would be maybe, 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 maybe the officials are being a little lenient. That could certainly be part of it. Now, the bad news is whether or not they are being lenient, when they do make the calls, they've certainly been at inopportune times for the Giants. I'm not saying that the calls were bad because Joe Judge himself yesterday yeah. reiterated the fact that the penalties were there. If you watch the tape, the penalties were there. 
The question becomes now, what about the consistency of the calls as they're being made? And that opens up on an, another whole can of worms. Giants break down this season thus far. Four penalties in week one, all on offense. Week two against the Bears, three penalties, one on offense, one on defense, one on special teams. And then week three against San Francisco, five, one on offense, three on defense, one on special teams. But you also need to take into consideration the Darius Slayton penalty, Paul. Even though it was part of offsetting penalties, you removed the Daniel Jones 16-yard run when you were inching closest to the red zone compared to where you were the entire game, and ultimately you took away a touchdown opportunity. So even though that may not be reflected in the total penalties, I'm throwing that in there because that's another example of horrendous timing. No doubt. Absolutely no doubt. And, you know, here's the thing. And I, and I understand the bottom line is the Giants have just not played well enough to, to register a W so far. And, and that's a fact. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. But at the same time, you know, when Leonard Williams says after the game, you know, we're getting closer. And, you know, if we could clean up a few of these things, we're a lot closer than people might think. Well, football is a game of, of tides, it's ebbs and flows, high tides and low tides, momentum and not momentum. And what happens in the game of football so many times is if a domino falls, it knocks over another domino and then another domino. And then before you know it, now it's a two-score game. Things get out of hand, and it's all over. The horse is out of the barn, and there's not a whole lot you can do about it. It's in that short period of time, and for the Giants, it's really been exemplified more than anything else in the final two minutes of the first half in each of these games. Oh, yeah. Where they have just gotten a boot right to the gut. I mean, we're talking about just getting kicked to the stomach, something fierce. And if there's one common thread for me, Lance, that's where it is. Because Bill Belichick would always tell us, and, and Parcells too, right before the end of the half is a huge momentum turner for most teams. It can really, really impact the climate for the rest of the game. And the Giants have been on the short side of that now three weeks in a row. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, and I wholeheartedly agree with you. Plus, it's 10 times worse also when your opponent then gets the ball to start the third quarter because that's essentially a double whammy. You allow them to score at the end of the half, and then all of a sudden they can double dip. But here's what you're referring to. Week one against the Steelers, Paul, eight plays, 78 yards. Pittsburgh put together a drive. Big Ben, 13-yard touchdown pass to James Washington. All of a sudden, Pittsburgh now has a double-digit lead. They're feeling good. Momentum in their favor. Week two against the Bears. Mitchell Trubisky, 11 plays, 80 yards. He caps that off with a 15-yard touchdown pass to Mooney. And then week three against the Niners. And technically, by the way, this turned out to not be their final possession, Paul, because they wound up tacking on a field goal. Mm -hmm. But to be fair and consistent, they went on a 12-play, 75-yard drive, Jarek McKinnon 10-yard touchdown run. So each of the first three games of the season, the opponent late in the first half, I think that's the best way to characterize it, has put together a long drive. The value of how much time it's taken off the clock has varied, but the bottom line is they've punched it in and they've turned what is a relatively close game, at least in the case of the Steelers and the Niners, a little bit more so than the Bears because the Bears were already up by double figures when they tacked on an extra touchdown. But we're talking about, Paul, a 6-6 game against San Francisco. The McKinnon touchdown makes it 13-6. You add the field goal, 
in the blink of an eye, a tie game went to a 10-point advantage in, in favor of the 67 Niners. seconds, Lance. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. 67 seconds on the clock, the Niners put 10 points on the board and turned that game into a bit of a slanted affair. Sure. I mean, that, and to me... That's that's the thing that's really like kind of burning in in my stomach as I think about this, this common thread of what's happening at the end of the first half each and every week. And, you know, the one thing that I would say is we talk about how offenses like to have a four minute offense or a two minute offense that's specially designed for those situations and how they can move the ball quickly and try to get some points out of the deal. Well, on the other side, there are such things as two-minute defenses, too. And I don't know what it is about what the Giants are doing, if it's either schematically or it's about guys not getting things right. Remember, it's, a, it's all about align, assignment, alignment, assignment, and execution. Those are the three things you have to have on every play. And I don't know which one of those three things are breaking down for the Giants in their two-minute defense. But it is quite clear that that, to me, is one of the things that has to be fixed if they're going to turn this around. I mean, that has been an Achilles heel. The one thing I wanted to add to what we were talking about earlier before we open up the lines here at 201-939-4513, you mentioned that the Giants were very low on the penalty side, and then you were referencing the Bucks and the Panthers as the other teams. What's interesting, and this just goes to show you how those low penalties, Paul, can easily be offset— you go back to 2019, look at the three teams that had the most giveaways in the National Football League. The Bucks with 41, the Panthers with 35, and the Giants with 33. So it just goes to show you, fine, you're well-disciplined, low number of penalties. But, Paul, it becomes wasteful when you wind up being on the complete opposite end of the spectrum with the giveaways which is undisciplined football and giving gifts to the opposition. And what's happening again this season? The Giants on the low side with penalties, but on the high side again with giveaways. So that's a trend we saw play out in 2019. Unfortunately, through the first three games, I would argue it's completely duplicating. No, I, I, there's no doubt about that. The turnovers have been costly as well. But if you wanted to look at the, the theme of, or the common thread, I guess is really the better phrase, the common thread between these three losses, I really do point to the final couple of minutes of the second quarter in each of these games because that's that's been a constant. And, and the turnovers, look, I get it. You want to cut them down. They're never any good. They will always hurt you. I totally understand that. But I honestly would have to tell you, and of course, that, that's been part of it too. I mean, it was, a, it was an interception against uh, uh, the uh, Niners the other day that allowed them to build the, the 10 points in the yeah, 67 Yeah, they added the field goal span. as a result of that. Correct. Yeah. So it was part of it. But for me, for me, it's those lengthy drives right before the end of the half that are more concerning than the turnovers right now. So glad you could tune in to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Lance Meadow, Paul Dottino with you. A reminder, Giants fans, get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a Giants-branded debit card. Security features and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account. Visit InvestorsBank.com slash Giants member FDIC. As we move along here, we are recapping some of the Issues in the Giants-Niners game, also looking ahead to the Rams contest. But in the meantime, let's open up the phone lines. Dwayne is in Texas, and he gets us going here on Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Dwayne? 
Hello? Dwayne going once. Dwayne going twice. Dwayne is a man of very few words. So we'll hold off on Dwayne. We'll see if Rick in Tampa is a little bit more talkative today than Dwayne in Texas. Rick, how are you doing? Okay. Well, we may have an issue with the phone, so while we square that yeah, away, minute, we will carry on the conversation. Did you hear that, Lance? Did you hear Say that? that I heard somebody. Oh, Rick, is that I'm you? Here. Okay. Yeah, now we hear I'm you. Here. No, What's I said I'm more talkative. You know that. Jeez. Well, we uh, knew that you would come through eventually, <laughs> assuming that technology would cooperate. So what's on your mind? Yeah. Hey, uh, well, quick. Uh, how you doing, Paul and Lance? Um, Hi. Paul, are you confident? Paul, are you confident tonight with the Yanks? Let me get that out real quick. Well, you know what? I would feel a whole lot better if they were playing in the Bronx. Uh, I'm not real happy as a Yankees fan to see them have to go on the road for this first round. But Mm -hmm. as long as there are no midges flying around and the bugs, you know, decline to attack, I think they could be okay. But I swear to you, man, if I start seeing bugs fly across the screen, my foot's going to go through the screen and I'm just not even going to bother with the rest of the game. (laughs) Yeah, no fans, but they better not have bugs, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, bring a, bring extra hey, cans I, of Raid. Yeah, right, right, right. Okay, yeah, the, that's the, tonight. Go Yanks. You know, I um, okay, couple things. I know uh, yesterday I wasn't able to listen to your guys' show, but obviously I listened to the post game, and I've listened to you on uh, on Fan and all that. Uh, but a um, couple things. I know Paul how upset. Well, Lance, you too. But I mean, I, I you must have been. You know, really, you thought the Giants had a chance to win this game and, and actually should have with the backups, like uh, with the backup San Francisco was playing. And, and I, you know, had high hopes for them to win it and really deflated when they not only got beat, but I mean, that bad of a score and to be beaten that sound, it was really frustrating. Um, I, I have a, a couple of uh, questions for you though. What, um, what will there be any change on the offensive line? I've heard comments about, possibly switching up a couple of guys is that something that you think they will do or will they run through um the next several weeks and and stay status quo and just try to improve so it's kind of the first question second question uh well not a question more of a comment and carl banks made a couple comments on the post game and yesterday on fan and he's saying that if you're a giants fan you need to lower your expectations and that's all fine and good but we're fans and when you look at our division and, and, and to see that one game away from being tied for first, I mean, it's as a fan, and I know we have a lot to work. Are we going to beat Green Bay? Probably not. I mean, but we want to be competitive and have a chance. And with the way the division is, we can be. So as a fan, yes, I, my expectations are, were never been high, but they're, they're high enough where I was hoping they could be competitive and 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 play and and have a chance so i I, am i that far out of bounds with that and that's the part that was taken away a little bit on sunday but i'm hoping that they could i know it's going to be tough going out to california playing the rams but do you think any change in the offensive line to help this uh the feeble running attack or possibly a couple more uh go to the playbook in a sense where we need to be unconventional. I know we tried it, and it was a poor uh, fumble and uh, bad execution on both parts, but do we need to do more of that maybe? For the well, next Rick, I think you got to be very careful in getting cute at this point, which is what you're yeah. alluding to, okay? You know, yeah, Kansas City... 
Kansas City last night played Baltimore and put on a clinic in terms of utilizing personnel. But once again, the Chiefs offense has been together for several seasons. Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, the head coach and offensive coordinator respectively, have been on staff for several seasons. They've built up continuity. The Giants don't have that luxury. So I completely disagree that Jason Garrett should now get cute and try to move guys around and get out of character because that's going to now make this team more prone to mistakes. They need to stick to the fundamentals. They need to emphasize that. They need to square that away before you start digging deep into your bag of tricks. So I'm completely against that philosophy. With respect to your point about the division, number one, we're only three games into the division. So just because the Cowboys and Washington are one and two and the Eagles are struggling, we don't know what those teams are going to look like in five or six weeks. But I've said this on yesterday's program, Rick. If you're as a fan having the philosophy that you think the easiest way to win a division and remain competitive is watching everybody lose, that's not going to work out well for you. If you remember in 2015, the Giants struggled, the division was around 500, and every week we'd field phone calls, don't worry, Giants are still in it. What good did that do for them? So I'm kind of tired, and I'm not blaming you. I'm just tired of the philosophy. Well, you're looking within the division. Everybody else is mediocre right now. It's absolutely going to play out that way, which we don't know for a fact. So therefore, you want the Giants to just hang around. Hanging around doesn't win a division. You've got to take care of your own business. So that's number two. Paul, I'll let you jump in with respect to the offensive line. The only thing that I will say is Joe Judge was asked, Rick, about that question. He said he and his staff are reviewing things, but he did not declare that there would absolutely be any changes on the offensive line. Yeah, the only thing that Judge said yesterday is that standard operating procedure for him is that every week, based on the practices and then the game performance, they will decide who the best players are to put on the field in a specific weekend. And that's his SOP, and that hasn't changed. It started in week one. It's the same in week three. It'll be the same in week four. If he believes, based on the evidence before him, that a change needs to be made, he reserves the right to make a change. He is the head coach. Now, we've already seen him make a change at one corner. As Yadam wound up getting the bulk of the snaps in place of Ballantyne against San Francisco. Did you not see that? Yeah. 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 So so he has already shown the ability to make the change if he believes the change is warranted. Now, if he sits back and says that the five guys on the field are not the best guys on the field, he will make a change against the Rams. And he reserves the right to do that. Uh, when he wants to reveal that, heck, he doesn't have to reveal that till kickoff when you see the guys who come out onto the field. So you think he might then? I think anything is possible. Okay. All right. All right. And you know what? Let me just, Lance, let me just comment on what you said, because I know you said that to me, I think, last week, that same reference about looking at, if I'm to look at the other teams in the division. But you got to remember, you guys, this is your job and everything. As a fan, we're watching. People are gambling. They're doing fantasy. They're doing all this stuff, and we're watching all the games. As a fan, we, we can only do that, is look at our division when we're hoping for that glimmer of hope to keep us excited into the, you know, November uh, versus being blown and done in the uh, first week of October. Rick, so we, if I, I may, if, if I may for one second, I don't want to cut you off, but I want, I want to make no, something okay. very clear because there's a very, very serious perspective that we all need to have in the 2020 calendar year. And that is, do you want the NFL season to reach a conclusion or 
would you rather something gets involved in the season where there's a hiccup and things don't happen? Like, you know, I, I will tell you what. It's really weird to go through this season in so many ways, whether you're a fan, whether you're part of an organization, or whether you're a player or a coach. Everything about this 2020 season is messed up. It's like a wheelbarrow has been turned upside down in the middle of the sidewalk. It's all screwy. It's Twilight Zone science fiction material stuff. But here's what I will say. I'm very grateful that the commissioner and that the people involved have gotten a league uh, season underway. And I hope that we have a full season. And beyond that, and I mean this, beyond that, to keep this in proper perspective, to want anything else is gravy. If they play a full 16 games, just be happy that they're able to get a full 16-game schedule in at a playoff at a Super Bowl, regardless of what your team does, one win or loss-wise. And, Rick, from mm-hmm. a gambling and a fantasy perspective, by the way, that you brought up, you can easily still stay involved in those facets of football, regardless of how your team is doing. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here and saying the season is over, because that's not the case. It's just what Paul and I are saying is you have to just be realistic that if the philosophy is going to be, well, we're just going to watch and pray that Philadelphia, Dallas, and Washington keep losing games to keep the Giants relevant. I just, I don't see how that's ever worked in the history of the NFL. That's all I'm saying. Right, right, right. I know, I know. Okay, I know. I understand what you're saying. It's just that as a fan, when you when when you're when you're going into a game against San Francisco depleted defense and everything, and you're thinking, okay, we have a chance to to you know be right in the midst of the one and three, one two, whatever you know. Oh, I know. And then it doesn't happen. And I know it's a long season, and but it's just heartbreaking in a sense to see him play like that because I love Judge. I love what he's doing with the team, and uh, I'm just hoping that they could, you know. Uh, have a surprise everybody this week. Rick, I understand. Joe Judge said yesterday there are still 13 games to go. I hope and pray we still have 13 games to go. You know, everything is so unpredictable based on what has happened in this calendar year. Let's just hope the Giants have 13 games to play so that for the next 13 weekends we have games to watch. And, Rick, appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for giving us a ring. You got it. It's a great show. You got it. The one thing that I just wanted to piggyback off of Rick's comments, and I know, Paul, when we were on the pregame on Sunday, you know, you felt that this was a very attractive matchup for the Giants because of all the injuries and so forth. But the only thing that went right, by the way, for the Giants on Sunday was their rush defense. That in terms of keeping the Niners good. in check, the only thing I would say is the Niners running backs did more damage as receivers as opposed to runners. I said just, the rushing defense. That's yeah. all I said. The rushing no, I'm, defense was I'm not was disputing superb. what you said. The, the Niners, I'm, I'm just saying the Niners running backs. They did. That's they the they passing weren't game, effective though. on the ground. You're right. But I think they made up for it as receivers is all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. Everything else went bad for the Giants. Everything else went bad. It's amazing how their checklist just went in the wrong direction. Anyway, well, go ahead. But what I was going to say is is that, based on our last caller's comments, you can't get caught up in names in the NFL because the Niners are an example of a team that was dealt with a lot of injuries last season. Remember, they played without their two starting tackles. George Kittle missed a few games, Kyle Juszczyk, and they still went 13-3. and 
So it says a lot about who they call up. The guys have been with the team for a long time. I think that needs to be the focus sometimes when you review teams with injuries as opposed to just getting caught up. Well, they don't have Nick Bosa anymore, so therefore there's going to be a sudden drop-off. But remember, they're preparing the guys behind them to play, and they have played in previous seasons. That's just my main point when you look at that Niners team. I have no problem with that suggestion, Lance. My issue is... And to steal a uh, a phrase from a fellow New York City sportscaster, nobody on the Giants played to the back of their football card. That was a very, very poor performance across the board by numerous players who did not play anywhere near their expected level of production. That's why the Giants got hammered the other day. Let's head back to the phone lines at 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter, directly at us, at Lance Meadow, one word, last name, M-E-D-O-W. He is at Giants W-F-A-N. Dwayne is in Texas. He joins us here on Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Dwayne? Hey, guys. Uh, I I listened to the show yesterday and been listening so far. Uh, You know, I think people forget that we're, we're currently under reconstruction. And it's going to take time for these guys to gel. I mean, if 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 we were going to win the Super Bowl this year, I think everybody would, you know, just drop off the face of the earth. But you know, okay. we, we still that may be a little they, drastic, they, but I understand the point. Well, I mean, we're, we're still New York Giants fans, and and we just got to let them grow. We got to we got to stand behind them, and you know, every. If, if every team in the football uh, in the NFL went went seventeen and zero like like the seventy two uh, Dolphins, then it would be it would be great. But that's just not possible. So I see growth every every game that we play. I still watch every Sunday. I still I'm hey I'm sleeping with the enemy. You think zero and three is bad? Try being a New York Giants fan and walking around in Texas with <laughs> New York Giants. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I get hammered, but you know what? I'm Good for you, though. Yeah, I mean, we gotta we, we gotta stick together. It's it's hard. It's you, you hate to see it. I lived through the times of Lawrence Taylor and and the straight hands and all those guys, man. But you know, it it takes time. It didn't happen overnight, and this season is not gonna. This team is not gonna win the Super Bowl this year. So. I mean, but, you know, we can always dream. But, hey, I love the New York Giants. Now, I, I just want to give a little ray of hope that we're under con- new construction and we just got to be patient and, you know, we just got to take our bumps and bruises. All right, Dwayne. Thanks for, for listening You got to it. Me, guys. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much for uh, weighing in here. Let's uh, head back to the lines. Ralph is in Florida, and he joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Ralph? Hey, Lance. Hey, Paul. <clears throat> Hey, listen, Lance, I heard, I heard you yesterday killing Charlie, and you were 100% right on everything you said. But um, getting back to the point, I don't know, Paul, maybe you can answer this better than I can. Have you watched Daniel Jones call an audible or a line check in any game? Because I have not seen it. He gets out the huddle too late. We're snapping. We're rushing to the line with like six, seven seconds on the, on, on the play clock, and it looks like he's just going with whatever play they called. He's not even overlooking the defense. And my concern is, if you're not learning how to do that by now, then we have a problem. Is that on Garrett? Is it on Jones? Because it looks like the line, they they come in, they they already made the call, and now all of a sudden the defense makes a move, and it looks like, uh uh-oh, what do we do now? Like the running back doesn't know where to pick a block? 
it's it's hard because you know we don't have the kind of access to the players and the coaches this year that we usually okay. do. So okay. I would feel more confident in my in my answer in a previous year. But given okay. what I can tell you now from what I have seen, no, he right. has made some adjustments. Now it's been asked of Joe Judge. Um, who gets to make those calls? Is is um, Jones making the line protection calls and the adjustments at the line? Is Nick Gates doing it? And, you know, how often? And Judge has not answered how often it's happened. I will tell you I have seen. I've been – I'm down in the – for the home games, I actually sit down in the 100s, uh, down in okay. the, the lower bowl of seats. And, okay. and so I'm a lot closer than usual when I, when I went in the press box. And I have seen – Jones making adjustments and calling audibles and and changing things up. From my understanding, okay, Jones makes most of the calls, but Nick Gates also has the ability to make a call at the line as well. Now, I will say this to you, and and this is a a really good point, and I very, very much appreciate you bringing this up because it gives me a chance to address it. What I do not know is... How much freedom within those audibles do the players have? In other words, a lot of times a coach will go out with a, with a play. They'll send in a play, and it's A or B, okay? Right. And, and that's it. He's got to call A or B. There are right. other times when a guy has more experience, like a guy like Eli. Eli exactly. didn't have to go A or B. Eli was able to go to something entirely different if he wanted to. He exactly. had more options, so to speak. I don't know the, the limitations on the options that Jason Garrett is giving his guys when he sends in a play. So that's the first thing that, that I still need to figure out. The other thing that I still need to figure out is when, when Judge is getting the calls, and I agree with you, it does seem like a lot of times when they're not in their hurry-up offense, they're a little too deliberate in getting up over the ball. Exactly, yes. And yes, I, I, I see that. I agree with you. And I wonder, is that because there is a, an issue with the communication and the plays getting in? Is Jones not understanding the play? Are the, uh, is, there, is there some type of convoluted situation that is forcing them to get out of the huddle and up to the line longer than they should? These are all things that, you know, this is, this is why, and look, I'm not asking for pity here, but folks, trust me. Covering this team with the kind of detail that I'm used to covering this team with is impossible this year, given the parameters of the protocols set by the pandemic. And I yeah, want I to agree. give you guys Paul, more answers. I really do, but I just don't have Paul, them. Paul, listen, I agree. I'm not, I, I'm not one of these fans that expected the Super Bowl. All I want to see is improvement. Yeah, this was a big, a big loss. But guess what? We just played the NFC champions. They were the NFC champions for a reason. I don't care if they have injuries or not. But sure, my second sure. point... My second point to Lance, maybe you can answer this because you're, you're, you're another offensive line guru because I don't care what nobody says. You like the offensive line too, Lance. But do you think our offensive line, the personnel we have, doesn't fit Garrett's zone running scheme? Well, I think first of all, when you look at what Garrett did in Dallas, okay, Ralph, right. he had three pro bowlers. And, right, you know, exactly. when we make comparisons between what he was working there versus what he has with the Giants, to me, it's absolutely night and day. So, you know, that can't be overlooked with respect to that. We're talking about Tyron Smith 
We're talking about Travis Frederick, who has since retired. And we're talking, you know, about a number of other guys that they've also groomed over the course of the years, such as like a Lyle Collins, who's hurt right now, an undrafted rookie who was expected to be a first-round pick, remember, but fell to them because of off-the-field issues. So, you know, Mm -hmm. the personnel that he had in Dallas, I don't think is anywhere near what he's working with with the Giants. And part of the reason being is, first of all, he's got a rookie in Andrew Thomas, who only has three games under his belt. Nick Gates is a converted center. Cam Fleming has been somebody that's been with Jason Garrett, but Cam Fleming was the guy that would fill in when Tyron Smith got hurt. He wasn't a regular starter, or he would fill in when Lyle Collins got hurt. He's a tournament sweet man. Exactly. So when, when you ask, does he have the right personnel, the only way that I view Jason Garrett's offense with what he did with Dallas, I viewed it with three pro bowlers, and I viewed it with also Zeke Elliott. Now, the Giants don't have a Zeke Elliott because Saquon's hurt. So I really haven't seen him have his full arsenal of weaponry with the Giants to even see whether or not they fit what he can get out of what he was able to do in Dallas. But I don't think the lines are anywhere close to being in a fair comparison to one another. So my answer would be, I think it's too early to tell whether or not he's got enough personnel to get the zone blocking scheme. But right now, because of the sample size and just no Pro Bowl talent, no, my answer would be no. In short, because of the circumstances, it's really like comparing apples and oranges. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah, I agree. And you guys, you know, you guys do a great job just keeping us informed. I know it's been tough for you guys to even get the access. But just keep keep doing a great job. Without you guys, all these fake fans, these fantasy football fans, you know what? I I pay no mind to them. At the end of the day, fantasy football has messed up team fandom. I'm a true Blue Giant fan. I would never give up on my team. Hey, if we, could, we go over 16, I'm still going to wear my giant jersey wherever I go. Never, and you guys be good. Be safe right, out Ralph. there, right? You we too. Please call time. again. And Thank thanks you. for tuning in. Well, Ralph certainly doesn't need to sell Paul Dottino on fantasy football ruining the game. <laughs> Paul already believes that, so I'm not even going to get Paul's reaction. The one thing I will fantasy say is— Fantasy football is an evil creation, okay, that was thrown against the earth by aliens from some other galaxy. <laughs> well, I didn't think we were going to Meant to turn every it. human's brain to mush. Sounds like a movie plot. Are you working on a script that we don't no, know about, not Paul? No, not at all. On not the side? Okay. What I do, though, in all seriousness, feel that the last caller hit on is when you look at a Niners team that the Giants played, and this was the point that I was getting at earlier, Paul, I think the fantasy football concept is applied to how we evaluate teams from a fan perspective, and you get caught up in names, right? Because the whole perspective, and I don't want to go off on a whole tangent, but fantasy football, the bottom line is you want to have as many big names on your team as possible because the whole point is to score as many points. So, of course, the name guys are likely to make the big plays. But when you're evaluating teams, Paul, in football, it's not about the names. It's about chemistry. It's about guys being coached up. It's about guys having a good feel for the scheme. And the Niners are the perfect example example of, yeah, they don't maybe wow you from a fantasy football perspective right now because they don't have a lot of names healthy, but those other factors, they have extremely working in their favor. I understand. And I that's have no, to me I have no the biggest difference. Yeah, yeah I, 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 there's really not much to be added to that. Uh, by the way, uh, have you taken a look? Uh, Mike Garofalo of NFL Network has reported and the Giants have, have not had any comment to this, that uh, cornerback Madre Harper uh, on the Raiders practice squad is being uh, signed by the Giants. 
Well, there and you go. So, and so um, that's rather interesting. Harper at 6'1", 196 pounds. As I look at the Raiders website, 22 years old, a rookie out of Southern Illinois. I will tell you, I do not remember doing any work on him leading into the draft. But this is a guy who uh, I guess I'm going to have to find out something about if, in fact, this story holds to be true. Yeah, this is according to NFL Network's Mike Garofolo. And, of course, when you claim somebody off the practice squad, they have to go on to your immediate 53-man roster. Correct. So that means that if the event that this transaction is true, the Giants would then have to have a counter move. But once again, this is nothing official from the team. This is simply a report, according to Mike Garofolo of the NFL Network. What I read into this, though, just feeding off of the report, is what have we been talking about over the last few weeks? Because of all the moves that they made in the secondary, Paul, before they even finalized the 53-man roster, it just goes to show you, Patrick Graham is still getting a feel for his personnel in the secondary. And they are far from working out who they figure is best fit for various roles right now. Look, they didn't have any preseason games, so basically they are now through three preseason games in terms of figuring out who they have, what they have, how they can use them. It's just too bad that these three games counted. But in reality, much like everybody else, although the difference is the Giants did turn over half of their roster and they did have a new coaching staff. So the truth is, okay, it really is like comparing apples to oranges because a bunch of teams had holdover coaches, holdover staffs, and holdover rosters. The Giants didn't have that. So the truth of the matter is they were probably hurt as much as anybody, if not worse, by losing training camp and a preseason the way it was supposed to be held. And we're seeing some of that come back and bite them right now. But here's it's nothing the best. That they had, the, the, the problem, though, is you can't control it. It's something that was out of your control. This is the way it is in 2020, and you just have to live with it. Out of your control in terms of the circumstances and how things played out. Here's Correct. the best way that I would further expand on your point. Kansas City, and they played on Monday night against the Ravens, and it was very impressive in terms of how they're very creative in terms of their play calling, their moving personnel around, Paul. Just think about this. If you were a fly on the wall in the Zoom meeting, okay, going back to March and April, Kansas City is talking to all of its offensive personnel. All of those guys have the framework of the offense. Paul, they have the luxury of digging into the bag of tricks and scheming the plays that we saw Monday night against the Ravens where Mahomes is throwing underhanded shovel passes to the fullback and mm-hmm. they're getting the left tackle involved for a throw. Okay, that's what Kansas City is discussing in its Zoom meetings in March and April. A team like the Giants or the Panthers or the Browns, their Zoom meetings in March and April is, guys, this is our offensive philosophy. They're basically teaching geometry 101 the Chiefs are on calculus, okay? If you want to use a mathematics parallel. Do you follow me there, Paul? Outstanding. And, Some of these right? guys probably didn't even know their names. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they never even been in the same room together. So you have to understand, and once again, I'm going to preface this statement over and over again. What Paul and I are talking about is not an excuse to explain and rationalize an 0-3 star for the Giants, okay? The lack of execution and a lot of other factors combined for the Giants' record. But let's not be naive. Where the Giants are in terms of where they're moving along with their offense and defense is nowhere in the vicinity 
of what Kansas City is dealing with. And that also applies, Paul, to Spags, who did a fantastic job last night in allowing Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to only score one touchdown. Mm -hmm. He now is in year two with this scheme. He's more used to the personnel. Is it any surprise that they're now performing at a much more consistent level than they did at this time last year? No, not at all. Look, when you talk about the evolution of development with this team, the Giants are still on a dial telephone while so many other teams <laughs> in the league are already onto a cell phone with the ability to watch TV on the monitor. Okay? Some may really. be with a pair of paper cups and a string. I thought that's what you were going to Okay, go well, if you want to go there, that's fine too. That's the bottom line. Okay? And that's not an excuse. That's the reality. That's just a fact. Let's head anyway. back to the lines. You're listening to... Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. You can hear us on podcast platforms. It's brought to you by and presented by the New York Lottery. Get out there and play. Dave is in Cranford. He joins us. Dave, what's happening? Paul and Lance, man, it's great listening to both of you. You, you, you give me like 25 different things I want to want to talk about. I'll try to narrow it down. Um, okay. Yeah, Lance. let's try to narrow it down to maybe two items as opposed okay. to 25. Yeah, I, I, was, I was thinking of 12, but okay. No, Lance. Your comment about, um, hey, at some point, you know, it's not about watching the rest of the uh, teams in the league and the division suffer and, and lose, and, and, you know, we got to start winning games and, and all of that. Um, very true. Um, and, 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 you know, yet at the same time, I would say, as a fan, I have two goals each year. One is I want to see the Giants win as many games as they can. I would like them to be, you know, which has been rough over the last couple of years. But my, my second goal is that I just want to make sure that the Eagles, Cowboys, and Redskins aren't good enough to win the Super Bowl. Those, those are my two goals. And you might say, you're a little crazy, or that's pretty simple. But, um, and and I, I think, so, when, so that, that's one perspective. I think the other one, guys, is more of a comment, and Paul, this might play into your hands, and that is, you know, there is just, I, I don't know what it is, but... There's no more patience left, and, 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 and things are moving so fast. I, I know there's a lot of reasons for it. Some it's the money, some it's the salary cap, blah, blah, blah. My, my point in the lack of patience is this. Judge, we, we, like the guy's in his, you know, he's in going in to coach his, his fourth game. Um, we got something in Judge. Now, you might want to say, how do you know that? I don't know that, but I think we do. Um, in him, and, and I really believe that uh, on a lot of levels if you read between the lines. And, again, it's easy to, you know, be a Monday morning quarterback and be like, well, I want to see it first. Okay, yeah, we're going to see it. But when we see it, you know, we have something to judge. Um, and the other one is Daniel Jones. The bottom line is the two best quarterbacks in Giants history are Phil Simms and Eli Manning. No, and I know you go back to, why, you know, a couple others, Paul, I get it. But let's just go with those two right now. And if you look – Daniel Jones is playing his 16th game on Sunday. His 16th game will be this Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. 12 last year. This will be his fourth game. 16 starts. Um, and, you know, yes, no more turnovers, please. And, yes, he's got to be – yes, all those things. But, you know, come on, folks. Like, Daniel Jones has shown us he, – he has played better than Phil Simms and Eli Manning. If we want to go back to the beginnings of their two careers now – their careers went great, and who knows what Daniel Jones' career is going to be. I get it. We can't compare that right now. I don't know. I'm just saying to you guys, hey, can we pump the brakes after this one last game a little bit? I think that's what Carl Banks was saying. He wasn't saying we don't need to win. He was just saying, hey, let's understand 
the expectations, the two biggest things for this team, and I'll leave you with this, are, you know, the establishment of, you know, Joe Judge as the head coach and his system and getting that in place. That needs more than three games. Um, and then the other one is Daniel Jones taking a step forward. That needs more than three games. If, if after 10 or 12 we're having these same problems and issues, I'll call up, we'll have a different conversation. Uh, Hi, Dave. Fair. No, Appreciate that's very the fair, call. Dave. There's no doubt about it. Very, very fair. And, and unfortunately, part of the reason why there's no patience right now from the fan base is because the Giants have had so many other subpar seasons within the last yep. decade. You see, because if, let's say, the Giants had been, oh, I don't know, let's say this was a Ray Perkins situation, and they had been close to 500, and last year's coach decided that he wanted to go take an NCAA job, right? Let's just assume that for a second. Well, then people would be giving Judge more room to breathe. But that's not what happened. Because the past two coaches, you know, wound up tripping and falling on the stairs and not doing so well, there is a tremendous amount of frustration that has built up and accumulated. And now, consequently, people are not giving Joe Judge enough room to breathe. They're now closing in on him because of other people who did not live up to expectations. He is now being subjected to that extra heat. And that's that's the unfortunate part because he can't be he can't be treated in a bubble right now because people are so frustrated over the last several years. Well, and that goes into there's been a lot of turnover on the roster and as well as the head coaching position over the last few years. It's been groups of twos. You had Ben McAdoo, not even for two full seasons, then Pat Shermer and now Joe Judge. So I think you bring up a fair point, Paul. Judge was not here in 17. And a lot of the players that were here in 17 are nowhere to be found. So the turnover rate just continues. And I get the frustration from the fan base because it's like, well, here we go again. But in fairness, Judge is not connected to those previous failures. He's now working with a new roster. Nothing to do with them. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't want to see improvement and it accelerate better than the previous head coaches. That's not my point. But my point is when you're bringing in a new coach – and a new system, new coordinators, new players, there is going to be growing pains. It's very rare in the NFL that you see a franchise that brings in a new coach every two years, which has been the case over the last few years, that you snap your fingers and then all of a sudden, just like that, they're winning. I say this time and time again, Paul, it's no coincidence when you think about the teams that have consistently made the playoffs over the last five or six years, well, who are the teams that come to mind? New England? Well, they certainly haven't made many changes. Then you look at Seattle with Pete Carroll. San Francisco is emerging now with Kyle Shanahan, who's been there going back to 17. I would throw in Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin. Well, what's the common trait between those four franchises, Paul? They've had the same head coach. Yeah, they've Mm -hmm. changed coordinators and play callers here or there. I get that. But the rosters, the core of the roster, and the head coaches remain the same. And that is synonymous with consistency and winning. Let's head back to the phone. Go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry. No, there's no doubt. And I think, you know, the shame of it is – That, you know, when Dave Gettleman took over and I said, hey, I could see what he's talking about. There's a three-phase plan here, and this should have been the third phase now where the Giants become, you know, into that playoff conversation. Well, what happened? There were things that sidetracked it that caused that plan to have been elongated and delayed. One of which was the premature pulling out of a Hall of Fame quarterback to put a rookie quarterback in earlier than he should have been. That was a significant setback. 
And don't don't kid yourself. This pandemic has been another significant setback. So there have been there have been things that have derailed the schedule as it was supposed to unfold. Anyway, go right ahead, Lance. Let's go to Roldy on Long Island. Roldy, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening? What's up, fellas? Uh, well, the, the biggest setback of, with, with the Gettleman situation is he made a mistake. He thought that he could continue winning with the roster that he had. So he went on to draft a running back second overall. He thought Eli still had years left when he didn't. So that delayed the rebuild. But Well, we can agree to disagree on that, but go ahead. For me and you, we always disagree. So That's all right. Not a problem. All right. So, not a problem. Uh, my, gripe, my gripe is not with Joe Judge. It's not with Joe Judge. The guy, I, I, I like the guy. But my, my issue well, is... Well, see, is, we agree on that. Is, is, is the Giants as a whole, the organization as a whole. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Gettleman, to be, you know, every, you got fans out there that says, you know, get, for the most part, Gettleman did good drafting players. In my opinion, the guys that he drafted, they're solid players, but they're not caliber starter players. If, you, if those guys are on other teams, they would be backups. This team has no sorts of talent on this team outside of Barkley. There's no talent at all. I think right now, especially you know, with, with, you know, my boy Ivan said this team needs a whole over, a whole makeover. This team is always the same thing. Zero and two, zero and three. It's always the same year. We've been having seven out of eight losing season. In order for us to change the whole makeup this, of this organization, has to, has to change. Like my boy said, the ownership has to take a step back and start realizing. You know what? We, it's not just the GM. I want, even though I want Ghetto Man fired, but it's not just him. It's the whole scouting department. It's the whole front office. It's the whole – everything has to change. We have to start getting into a different phase of this organization. This organization is still stuck in the same organi- the same way, and that's why we haven't seen any results in the last seven, eight – longer than that. There's no results. And I know you guys are saying yes. Uh, you know, a lot of stuff that hit with, you know, the 2020 with the COVID. But listen, I get where you're learning a new offense, but every team had to, had to learn on the – it had to adjust this, this offseason. Every team didn't have OTAs. Every team didn't have training camps like that. Every team. And well, I get the, it. We're, some we're teams learning. did not have to adjust as much, though. Yeah. For some teams, it was just moving two inches to the left. For I other teams, it was like jumping the Grand Canyon. Okay, but uh, but again, you you got to you got to get with reality, my friend. You got no, some no, serious I'm, I'm serious reality, misconceptions. Paul, the is you don't serious misconceptions. Paul, I am in reality. The and what you also you failed to realize you, is that Gettleman overhauled the Paul, entire I, I scouting department, overhauled the entire IT department, overhauled the entire computer department. So to Paul, say that this is the same old giants is is absolutely incorrect. Yeah, because Paul, they have totally you, redone all that he, stuff, he the IT and it takes two years to do it. So but, they've but Paul, already Paul, they've Paul, already changed Paul. stuff that you're asking them to change, but you're Paul, saying but that how, they're still how, stuck how in the mud. The Brian, the Brian, we're done with line year. three. We're done with line three, Brian. Well, Roldy, what 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 we're saying is is that he did revamp the scouting department in terms of bringing in new voices and different roles, and in terms of your point about the computer, it's about the grading and how they evaluate players and organize that. That's what he's talking about in terms of the technology The technology all, aspect. All of that stuff has been redone and updated through an extensive plan. They have added all types of new technologies. They have added all types of, of analysts who handle those technologies so that they could translate it into football usable information. Okay? They have had uh, an overhaul the last few years of a bunch of their scouting people in their scouting department. 
So, you know, for him to come on and to make statements that are totally blatantly inaccurate, well, then none of his opinions are worth anything because he's basing them off inaccuracies to begin with. And I've always said, folks, I have no problem. We can agree to disagree as long as you're stating facts. But if your original premise is totally inaccurate, then the opinion is worthless. Yeah, it's one thing. It's one thing to say that you're irritated with the results. But when you claim that the results are because of the same thing going on and on and on, that's not necessarily accurate. Changes have been made. It's just just because changes are made doesn't mean the results are going to come instantaneously. I think that's basically a fair way to characterize. No question. He has a right to be frustrated. Everybody's got a right to be frustrated. I'm on board with him. He's very, very frustrated. He's disgusted. I get that. Roldy, I'm with you a thousand percent on that. You have every reason to be really disgusted over the results. That's fine. But what you have to understand is if you don't have a firm grip on reality and understand exactly what is happening within the organization, you cannot come on and complain as you were complaining, preaching uh, things that are inaccurate. And that's 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 the problem. He's got to get he's got to get accurate before he, he starts complaining. So that will wrap up. Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. Today's episode presented by New York Lottery. Get out there and play. As a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network brought to you by Investors Bank on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. Big Blue Kickoff Live up and running again on Wednesday at noon Eastern. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday and always stay locked to Giants.com. Have a good one.